Action Park Media. Welcome to another episode of Victory the Podcast. I'm Doug Ellen. And I'm Kevin Connolly, and we are just going to jump right to it. We got a two-part interview with Jeremy Piven. Part one aired last week. Uh, everybody really seemed to like it. So without further ado, let's just jump right in. Part two, Jeremy Piven. This is going to be a humble brag for all of us, and they're gonna, people are going to be like rolling their eyes. But I was there when Obama said to me that his favorite show is Entourage. And I was like, there's no, I was just like, this guy is such a politician, you know? Yeah. I mean, I can just imagine it. Ray Romano, hey, you know, <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, Obama saying that everyone loves Raymond's, but that was sure, real, man. It was yeah. real. And then we verified it with Reggie Love, yep. this head of security said, yeah, he used to schedule his meetings around entourage. I mean, that was the back of the time, like kind of even before, talk about before social media, before TiVo. Yeah. You know, it was like mm-hmm. you couldn't, you know, you had to gather, you know, people on a Sunday evening in, in one room. Yeah. So yeah, Obama did love our show. Listen, when I met Obama, you go through the security check and you're, you're like basically wait online, right? And you go in one at a time, you get your photo op. So I would like sort of standing in the doorway, wildly uncomfortable, anxiety levels, my head was about to split open. I said so much anxiety. And he's like, get in here, E. <laughs> That's amazing. I guess I'm the only guy who hasn't met Obama. <laughs> Did you meet him, Doug? <laughs> I didn't go to a fundraiser. And he, he knew, he knew, damn, he's like, yeah, I love the show. I was like, Hey, any shot on getting a cameo? I asked him. It's really, I don't think that would go over too well. But it's really wild to think about how much the world has changed and the most, uh, this progressive, liberal, amazing president who watched this show that if it was today, he wouldn't even, he wouldn't even think about saying that, even if he did love it. It just wouldn't happen. So it is pretty wild. He couldn't admit to loving this show. And we were supposed to go. We had a screening set up at the White House. Ari, the real Ari, was setting that up. We were all supposed to go and then. Something happened. Someone got bombed. Something Obama, Bin Laden. They found Bin Laden. Yeah, they and found we got Bin Laden. That was it. Which always kills me because that was. Oh, man, I that thought was going to be one of the greatest experiences of all time. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and as a Chicago guy, I'm sure you appreciate it doubly. So it was pretty amazing. Absolutely. I, w- I was out there stumping for him, and I, I remember being backstage with my mom, and my mom grabbed Michelle's arms and said, Don't forget about the arts. <laughs> and Michelle's just like, Get your hands off. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, How is your mom? My, thank you for asking. My, my mom is great. Spent spent Hanukkah with her the other night. She's she's doing really well. Mrs. And Piven was in the show. We yeah. put her in That's in the Yom, right. Yom Kippur great. episode. I believe. That's right. Yeah. You know, also, too, for people that don't know, Jeremy's mom and dad are acting theater legends in Chicago. She's right? a coach, right? And, very kind of you. Yeah, they, they're they're she's an actress, director, teacher, and so was my father. And so, I Jeremy, let's up. let's go back to like your beginnings, your early things, and like I no, I'm serious because actually I don't even really know it, which is pretty incredible. You're a, you started as a theater actor? It's almost kind of like being the coach's son, but I never thought of it that way because even though my mom was the teacher, I just, you know, I, I was in acting school with Cusack and all these people that, that you guys know, and then ultimately Chris Farley at Second City and blah, blah, blah. That's how old I am. Um, <laughs> but yeah, from the time I was eight years old, I was on stage just doing stuff that I had no business doing. And I never thought of it as a means to an end. They just put you up on stage and you have fun and you improvise and you do scenes and scene study and you just have a great time and you know you just keep going Cusack becomes Connolly can relate to this where you're where your best friend just suddenly blows up and you're like well, I don't understand what's happening yeah. like how did that like even, overnight seemingly, how does that right? even happen like all of a sudden Cusack becomes a movie star with Rob Reiner and I was like he was we're 16 years old what's going on 
And so you just kind of keep going. And I was Cusack's plus one for many years. Right. People crawling over you to get to that guy. You know what I mean? You were in all these Cusack movies with him. Is John making that happen or you got to go through the same process or what? Funny you say that. And which leads me to, to our show. I had auditioned so many times, even for his stuff, he didn't even know. And I, you know, would go through the process and then I'd say, Hey man, I got that role in serendipity. And then we do it together. We had a theater company. Um, we lived together at NYU. We had a lot of history and all that kind of stuff. And so, but, yeah. is, but is he pulling the extra trigger or no, you're getting these roles on your own. He's uh, not calling in favors. The only time he called one in was with Cameron Crowe, where he said, will you watch my buddy's audition tape? And it was just like all of us that ended up in the movie. And it was just so insane those days. We were like, you know, broke into a McDonald's and we were like burning a moped. And as the moped's burning, we're auditioning. Right. Just like vandals <laughs> out of our mind. Ridiculous. Wow. No one should have hired us. But we would do the scenes over and over again, improvise and, and somehow get the role. And, you know, and yeah, I, you know, by the time I did Entourage, I was 40 movies into it and you know and, and so i I've, I've been doing it forever stage actor um and then started a theater company with Cusack and was also on the road with Second City and so just kind of kept grinding and you know if you look on paper that's why you know you can never compare and contrast your career to anyone else's you know i you know technically like was such a late bloomer and it's just a matter of not giving up right just knowing like i got something to contribute and at some point someone's going to give me a shot right and you never i never you know it was entourage yeah. and it was that scene that we were just talking about it was scene it was episode 7 with Busey in the beach Julian Farina shooting it, you know, you, you it's write episode it. Six. It's episode six. And, I think. And <laughs> that's I think, right? Kind of like this, kind of like this research, though. He didn't do it for the first time. Why are you cock blocking my story, man? I was on a roll. No. Season one, episode six. <laughs> so, um, and it was just brilliantly written, and, and it was just a, a matter of you trusting me and Julian trusting and just, yeah, having a steady cam shot, ending with this massive monologue in, in Malibu, you know, and Ari just having one of these great rants. You know, and and it, you know, it was a, a huge turning point moment. It was a blast, and you and broke broke your phone. I'm sure. How many how many phones did you break? I you tell you, the, a lot how of many phones, phones did you destroy over the course of <laughs> wait? Well, computers, and, and computers, computers yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine every every person. I mean, Wayne. <laughs> Wayne is our producer. <laughs> Wayne Carmona. is our producer. Oh, Gabby's going to have a heart attack. Uh oh, Pivin's coming in. Wait, Wayne hated me. Yeah. And, yes, and, and yet, yes, there was a love hate relationship because, right. you know, we, we. He got it. He knew what, what was what. Listen, he knew what was the reality what. is, I'm playing a character that is an absolute lunatic. I remember one time screaming and breaking things and Doug came in and he goes, I need, I need more. I need more. I'm thinking literally I, I, I don't physically know how to give anymore. I can't without literally bursting into flames. So I'm like, okay, I got you. I got you. Like, cause I'm screaming, wailing, gnashing my teeth, headbutting computers. And, and, um, so more. So as I'm doing the take, I just grab a script and bite it and start <laughs> ripping the script apart with my mouth. And Doug's like, that's what I'm talking about. And like, you know, you just, you, it was great because you kept pushing it. And there were times when you came in and you were like, are you okay? And I wasn't like being some weird method actor. I'm just, my heart is racing and I'm like a caged but animal. But I knew, listen, I know when you're, I knew when you were mad at me, I knew when Dylan was mad at me or whatever words you want to use. Like sometimes you feel it like, listen, I'm a, 
I know me. I see what I see. Whether I'm right or right, I'm going to keep pushing it. But I remember <laughs> I'd come I'm in. Right or whenever right. Jeremy, whether I'm right or right, <laughs> <laughs> Freudian slip there, Doug. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Jeremy would do that thing with the, uh, you drink your water when you get angry on your, like, your side, which you, which you did in the Jessica Alba scene. Which, That's a tell. That's it's a, a tell, tell from Jeremy. drinking his water bottle out of the side of his mouth, get out of the fucking way. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and look, <laughs> I know it. But, you know, what you just said before was interesting because it is, you know, the right actor in the right role can be life-changing and for everybody obviously it was dylan and and jeremy it was like you guys were were the elder statesmen and to me day one it was like how the fuck do we how did we get lucky enough to get these guys how are these guys not in 50 fucking shows working all the time starring in the things now you did have you had cupid which you start in which was a good show. I mean, people liked it. It just some things don't work. Sitcom, a big money network. Yeah, you know, but some things just. You, what did you think of that show? It was wildly ambitious, and it went really well. And uh, the creator Rob Thomas got an amazing deal after that. And then they tried to redo it with Bobby Carnavale, and you know, so it, it kind of kept having a life of its own. So much moments. of its, so much of its timing, and I think yeah. one of the huge variables about this is we were lucky enough to do a show about the backstage life of Hollywood that really kind of hadn't been done. We had we had the blessing of Mark, who had a great relationship with HBO. There were like all these different yeah. pieces that were in play for us, and I'd never had any real luck before. So that was the first time, like I, right. you know, got lucky. Right. And you know, and you, you need just, it and you do, you, yeah. you absolutely need that. And sometimes that can launch things into the stratosphere. And it was and just sometimes just some things are just meant to be It's lightning in a bottle or whatever you want to call it. I, I had a question. I, people ask me this and I have this, there's, there's a, it's two parts to an answer about your favorite episode and taking, you know, like Dylan will talk about some, a performance, one of his performances. I loved myself in this episode. It's Dylan's <laughs> huge lines. <laughs> yeah, but amazing. I mean, it, for example, the mushroom episode was miserable to shoot because I'm Irish and I don't like standing out in a thousand degrees with nowhere to get any shade. It was a really hard episode to shoot, but the end result, it's up there as one of my favorites, right? Absolutely. And then Sundance was just a blast all around. Uh, th- there's a few. There's anything, a performance aside, right? So it's like, obviously we all have our episodes where we liked ourselves or we, you know, the, the episode favored ourselves, but the larger scope, what would you say your, your favorite episode was? Well, I think it feeds into a question that you had earlier when I said, I wish I had as much fun as you guys. And you said, why didn't you? And it wasn't as if I didn't want to. It's just, you know, I had these epic monologues. Mm -hmm. And for me, you know, there's some people that have photographic memories. I, unfortunately, am not one of those guys. And by the way, that's like a gift that I don't have, you know, and there's some people that have that gift and they're not great actors, but they have a photographic memory. Right. You know what I mean? So it's just like, it's a give and take. I'm a dummy, but I can act. Right. So, you know, for me, I have to, every week I, it had to be like a play for me. I had to be hit the ground running from take one, owning this language and making it feel improvisational. I think one of the reasons you don't get as much credit as you should it with, Ari stuff is because it was my job, as you know, to make it look and feel improvisational when it was all written. So for me to get to that level, you know, I just had to keep running, 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 running. And so that's just me. You know, I don't have as good a memory as other people do. So for me, I, I you know, I couldn't kind of have as much fun because I was always like on my game. And then when we were shooting the movie and I was fucking around with you guys and they called action, I remember I just sucked. I was like, I didn't know my line. I was just like, it was a nightmare. This was the biggest nightmare of the whole shoot that I recall. You and Carla 
Cugino, have a scene. Oh genius my God. actor. And the wrong pages went to both of your houses. And we're talking about a seven, Dylan, imagine you getting this, seven-page scene with just the two of them in a room. And I rewrote, pages? I rewrote the entire thing. Yikes. I went fucking, I don't. Doug, who did you kill when that happened? I went question. ballistic and I, I mean, I put my, I did, I put my hand through a wall because really though, my biggest concern about all of it, seen that one. I was like, when Jeremy shows up, I'm, I almost thought like we got to go with the old scene and it was so much better. The new scene. I didn't even know how to come to you and say, uh, listen, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was nothing it's the, the actor's ass is on Every word right now, was so. different. And yeah. the two of them had a sit down. Do you remember You've that? You've done day? that to me, Doug, as well. <laughs> Not numerous, seven Numerous pages, times. Not seven pa- I'm talking yeah. everything. But yes. You know, you and Piv and I, I guess I can say, right? You guys were <laughs> our big guns, right? And, and you guys needed your time to prepare. And mm-hmm. you had that process. And Dylan is the same way. Dylan's choices are made before. And, and, mm-hmm. and the actors listening and people out there. You know that preparation but what will Jer- count, and you guys something. would actually make fun of the two of us when we were doing because Dil- Dylan's Dylan's preparation is funnier than mine. <laughs> well, you're you're, you're, bo- you're body body guy. Jeremy comes from the theater, so he's got to clear the pipes. Yes. Wait, what are you doing there? Is that vocal work? No, like that's what I would do in the yeah. corner, and they would look at me. I would literally be like, but I got a 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 yum yum yum. Like literally doing because I had to warm up my voice. That's what I did, and it looks like I'm literally having an epilepsy. Seizure, and I just—it's just I what we do. Dylan's got his own. Dylan did I do a big ooga? <laughs> you know, to try and get fired up a little bit, get a little blood. I love phone, it. And Chad, which Lowe, ended up on the show. Yes, you know? and Chad Lowe, by the way, in the movie does a genius thing about actors warming up in the in the scene with you. And he is, by the way, Chad Lowe's another one who's yes. one of the funniest people I've worked with. But Jeremy, I just want great. to get back to this. Do you remember this day? And then you come in, and honestly, I think this is the first time we've ever discussed. Like, I don't have a photographic memory, and you're giving me two page monologues. Which watch a lot of TV. There's not a lot of people talking for two minutes straight, which Jeremy had to do quite often. So you walk in and you get like, hey, Jeremy, sorry, buddy, but you got 15 we got minutes. Sa- we got uh, salmon pages coming. Uh, <laughs> I hope you're okay with that. Do you remember this? Absolutely. <laughs> Listen, even worse than that, that was, you know, I had a history with Carla. We had worked for David Frankel, did mm-hmm. um, uh, Miami Rhapsody together. With Sarah Jessica Parker and all that kind of stuff. Right. So we, we played boyfriend, girlfriend. So we, we, it worked out that day. Which was worse, talk about salmon color pages, <laughs> is Malcolm McDowell. They gave him apparently the wrong pages. All I know is I'm doing a scene with him. <laughs> And he he did. He's saying one thing, you're saying another. And I don't even goes. know what he's saying. <laughs> I don't but, remember this. Is this a Vern thing? We got to figure out who did this. this no, is, that comes from the office, bro. Right. It was the craziest acting, and I've done everything. I've done, you guys know, but you know, the last thing you want to do is hear me. Oh, Piven in his fucking Chicago theater. Tell us about it, bro. I've, Tell I've had white face on with you know doing Commedia dell'arte for eleven people. I've done it all, right? This was the weirdest and the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Because, you know, fucking, what the fuck is he doing? Oh, I'm looking at you, fucking Harry. You know, and, 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 and it's just madness coming at me. But Lev was on the set that day. And Lev goes, look, here's the deal. We need to get your side. We're going to get Malcolm his... The, the lines for this scene, Ugh. but just give me your side. I am so, so fucking not remembering so, any of this. It's so weird. I'm literally playing the scene without any real dialogue coming at me, just giving him my response. 
And was the, there this, an actor there, or is he it was he was he was there, and he was kind enough to just kind of uh, you so know just, co- <laughs> just commit to right. gibberish. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so we just kind of pieced it together, and like, but that's kind of what you do. You just kind of like, but that's what we did the, the whole show. It's the antithesis of 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 really what it was in terms of everything was written by you, you know, and. We would have these in, incredible locations where we're in Cannes. We only had one take. We're at the Lakers. We don't have very many takes. We had to just put any fears, doubts, whatever aside and just totally commit every time. And we were, you know, we were very confident with that. And I remember we'd get directors and they'd be like, well, how are we going to do this? And we're like, no, no, no. We, we've been here before. We, we got can do this. It. Yeah. Let us handle this. <laughs> the yeah. Cannes scene is a good one to talk about since you guys were all there. I mean, you got people. Nobody knows who really you guys were in France at the time. Cannes Film Festival is actually happening. Clooney, Angelina are like right there. And you guys, they gave us what? One moment to, to nail this thing. Mm-hmm. I remember the details because rem- this is why I remember the story. They, they said to us, George Clooney is going to be the last one off the carpet. How they knew that, I don't know. When George Clooney walks off and that door closes, we will hold the photographers. You guys have three minutes. If you guys remember, we went there earlier in the day and we mm-hmm. rehearsed. Yeah. We knew our march. Yeah. It's like, okay, nothing crazy. We each have a couple lines, nothing crazy. But when we got there, <laughs> it was so loud. And this is what we didn't account for. It was so loud, you couldn't hear anybody. Mm-hmm. So it was hard to pick up the cues. So you were reading lips. And I remember thinking, fuck, man, we, I don't think, I think we missed it. We might be stepping on each other or whatever it was. And then, sure enough, we you go to sound, it. and it was boom. crazy. I mean, you had me climbing over a fence and picking <laughs> oh, up the girl right. and all this crazy on. stuff. <laughs> if I if I got caught up on that fence or if I took a fall, that was that right. was that. You know, right? If you didn't make it over that fence, that's that that shot. What did you think of it? Did you like working like that? Because we did a lot of shit like that live, oh, at Laker it. games, and you know, as an actor, you're trying to recreate feelings. You're on a set, you know, what do we, okay, what's it really like and using substitution and blah, blah. But when you would put us in these situations, like you would have to be a terrible actor not to be able to, you know, pl- play off of Kobe, you know, ripping yeah. the rim down. We were, you actually put us in these situations. So I loved it. I love being a can. Mm-hmm. Like you don't, you don't have to act. You're there in, Clooney just walked off. You're in the belly of the beast. Just be. Just be present to all Pivot, this. And never- greatest quote to Wayne Carmona. You know what, Wayne? You fly me halfway around the world to give me a, a baguette and an army cot. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But what happened was, what, happened was, what people don't understand is, yeah. it was, we got to the, we were so late. Listen, those can is booked up for years in advance. Right. Two weeks before they decide that we're going, we get the green light. There's no hotels available. We squeeze Great. into a hotel, but you remember we're all getting, we're all getting dressed in the same. It was like a locker room. We're all getting dressed in a little tent. Jerry's like, "This is crazy." And I, by the way, everybody knew it. I felt I was feeling it too. But you were vocally like, "This is crazy." I mean, the guy flies us halfway around the world, gives me a bag, getting an army cot. We're all getting dressed. We're all here naked. I can't fit my Emmys in here. No, I tell you what, I couldn't fit in. In my room was my bag. <laughs> Bro, I'm not kidding. I think my room was different than yours. I, th- I thought I was on punked. I literally thought. You were so, fifth on the call sheet. I was fifth on the call sheet. <laughs> I had a sweet and, and I had a, It wasn't even an army cot. It was like a single army <laughs> cot where it was like a singlet. And then it was like, you know, I couldn't quite fit in. So I like called up the Martinez. I was like, you guys have any rooms here? We have one. I'm coming over. Boom. And I went. And, and, and so, yeah, oh, I, we man. don't, we don't need to go funny. there. Let me, let me, I, I digress. Cause the reality is people think that we were all in these scenes together every day and every, when the reality is, 
you know, we had two different lives and you guys. Yeah, were, Kevin was yeah. saying that before you came yeah. in, you know, like I, you guys didn't have a, a ton. Well, I tried yeah. to, you know, Usually, I have, have 100,000 entourage photos on my computer and I can legitimately go Kevin Dillon and Jeremy Piven to find every picture that you're in together. I found one of the two of you alone, just one. Like if I put you and Connolly, it'd be 500 and blah, blah, blah. So you guys didn't get a lot well, of work I think we together. had one scene. Alone together. Is it the one I'm talking about? That's the one you were talking about. Are you yeah. serious? It was one scene? Alone. I think, I think so. It was it such a strange scene that I didn't even remember. I watched it this morning. There, drama, there would always be someone else in the scene, usually one of the two of us. Drama comes into you to, to basically ask if you believe in him and want to work with him or if he should move on. And you and, say, go ahead. Go. <laughs> yeah, but not like that. He says it in he a He says it caring, with a heart. Yeah, a real well, heart, yeah, though. It was, it's, it's, it was do you remember that? nice scene. Yeah, it was. It, and by the way, if... If you did the show today, the conversation with drama would be something about, you know, drama would be like, you know, I, you know, I, I was up for that guest spot on, you know, this is us. And I, and I would be like, drama, they're going with someone ethnic. <laughs> That's true. You know what I mean? I do. Are you still in my office? You know, whatever. I mean, it, right. Yeah, it would no be, doubt. it would well, be, it would be interesting to see how we did this, but I, I wanted to focus on some of the things that people think like we're doing this big giant show. Do you remember the pilot and the Ivy scene? So I Took my car, got a cameraman. We had no permits. We had no approval from HBO. I said, Jeremy, you can take it from there what you remember. I said, go walk in the Ivy, make a reservation, and then do the scene. Well, I mean, listen, I came up doing guerrilla filmmaking. You know, I'm making movies for no money, and that's exactly what this felt like. And we had no permits. You just go... Jeremy, go run across the street and just play the scene. Just walk towards us right now. We have one second. And so I just ran across the street, and I'm like... You know, it be, you better be a fucking Scud missile heading towards us, Yoko, or I'll <laughs> choke you out with a fucking strap on or whatever. <laughs> you know, any any one of those Ari lines. And literally, you know, one take with us just stealing that shot, and it was, we got oh, okay, it. Okay, because I don't it. know if I've imagined this. Did did you almost get hit by a car? Am I fucking crazy? 1,000%. I mean, I, mean, the I remember that, going, oh, my God, I'm going to go to jail. Well, I mean, because for me... You guys know as actors, you're yes, you're aware of everything around you and you're playing off of everything, but you got a ton of lines and you're squeezing it in and you gotta get it all in and you only have one take. So yeah, I almost got killed. And it, it, it's all you know, Gary Goldman, even even poor Gary, you know, oh my God, the fact that he stayed with us and was our first AD for forever. And Adrian still thinks that I don't know his name, but I do know his name, let's be honest. Well, I was I was actually gonna get get back to Connolly because I don't know I haven't seen every episode. Have you guys talked about when he directed or no? Uh, a little there. bit, but we can talk about who's directing. Do you, do you do you remember when you were directing and, and Carla Gugina and I were doing we're doing a scene in a restaurant? Yeah. And I have to fucking lose it. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's so interesting because you brought up, you know, we're in Cannes, no one knows who we are, we can navigate, we do our characters, we used everyone on the street, you know, um, as extras, uh, background artists, and um, so we just, you, you know, it looked like a hundred million dollar movie, and we just, we just ran with it, but now, here we are, you're, we're, what, season eight? When, it's we, season seven, the one you're talking seven. about. Seven. We're in there, and I'm losing it and screaming at Carla, and every background person is just watching me and laughing, and <laughs> And, you know, hey, you guys, just so you know, I'm this random guy and I'm, you know, we're causing a stir and I'm yelling and it's not pretty. Just can we just react to this? But also, too, you're drunk, right? You get drunk. I'm just drunk. You have that Al Pacino moment and say say goodbye goodbye to the the bad guy. guy. (laughs) (laughs) And, yeah, I'm drunk and I'm yelling at her. And, you know, by then everyone, you know, a lot of people know the character. So the more angry I got, the more drunk, the 
more they laughed. Right. And it was just hard to actually shoot it. And then Doug cut my favorite line because, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. because Uh-oh. I, 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 I fed Jeremy a line because I thought it was funny. And Jeremy did it, you know, which he didn't have to do. But remember, you're like walking out and then you're like, and you're not the real Wolfgang. <laughs> so I, I had it in my cut. That's Doug it. cut it. I'm like, Doug, why would you cut? Well, I'm I can tell you why Wolfgang. I cut it because it, it, the real restaurant was in a lawsuit with, with the real Wolfgang because that was Wolfgang's wow. where we shot it. And we would have been, I was I already was sued funny. by uh, Bob Evans at one point and then Johnny Bananas at another. So we had a, you know, you know, by the Johnny way, Johnny Bananas, Bananas is going to do a podcast at actually. Park yeah. Media. By the way, it sounds like really, everyone uh, sounds like everyone except for Pivens doing a podcast here. Are you going to offer the guy a fucking podcast? Or what? Like, get him out of this legal. Well, you could be a nice recurring for us. Uh, we love having you on the show. There you go. This yeah. is great. Yo, are you out of Malibu now? I, I am out of Malibu. You're out of Malibu. I'm I'm in a trailer park in Rancho Cucamonga. Um, Rancho, you love Rancho Cucamonga. Every time I'm looking at a map or I'm driving and I see Rancho Cucamonga, I think of you. There you go. There you go. Um, so, yeah, to get back to the fact that, like, you guys had a lot sexier locations than I did. Right. I'm usually, you know, in, in the office rolling calls with Lloyd or getting yelled at by the wife, Perry Reeves, who played Mrs. Ari brilliantly. And w- one of the times I was with Lloyd, Rex Lee, um, I, you know, Doug would, would – every week I would go, oh, man, this is – you may have gone too far. Every time I would read it, I'd be like, this is the part – I think this is the part where everyone turns on us or turns on my character. You know, so I would go to Rex and I would go like, Rex, are you – are you okay? Because it's, it's like dawn. And I'm like, I'm going to say if you had so much cum squirted in your eyes <laughs> that you can't see what's right in front of your fucking face. You know what I mean? Like, and he'd be like, yeah, what's what's the big deal? He's, just, he's got as sick a skin as anybody. Anyone. Yeah, he was just yes. like, let's go. Who cares? So, yeah. Yeah. Just say it. Why are you even asking me? I was like, well, just, you know, is, this, is it cool? So what's so funny is when people, you know, come up to me on the street and they're like, bro, I'm a fucking douchebag because of you, bro. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's a, it's not a documentary. Thank you, dad. Oh, um, also, too, Jeremy, the thing about your, about, and this is for people listening, because of the way a shooting schedule works. You're at a location and you stay at that location. So what would happen with Ari's character is that we would be at Ari's office for a day and a lot of your scenes, which are very intense. So you'd have, you know, ours would be spread out, right? You would have a day of like five, six, like super intense scenes. And that just, just started the day off, dialing up the intensity of what it is that you had to do, right? Ours were kind of spread out and there was a little... It's just a little, yours was just crammed together. You're yeah. like, yo, we're shooting 12 pages of, of Ari throwing things around and yelling. Uh, I remember Lloyd saying, yeah, let's these. just shoot the whole season right now. Yeah. <laughs> let's just shoot the whole season. <laughs> oh, that was, that's a good line. Yeah. Sure, let's just shoot the whole season. Yeah. But listen, it was, it, it worked perfectly. Uh, it couldn't have been better because, as you know, you you know, I'm doing my thing. You guys can lay low and gear up for your stuff. Mm-hmm. You guys are doing your thing. Yeah, we all got downtime, which is yeah, and it was perfect so that I could we could hit the ground running mm-hmm. and execute on the, on the best level. We were, we were joking about our our line producer, but he was voted best line producer of the year because. One of the many reasons is that we would get the work done and get it done in in a timely, you know, manner on time and on budget. The stuff that they, Dennis and Wayne, the stuff they 
helped us pull off was mind-boggling. We were doing the amount of location moves that were unheard of given our schedule and time and budgets, to be honest. So, But I, I, you touched on something that interesting that I, I do want to talk about with, you know, a show like The Sopranos where women get beat up, where people are abusing, I don't know, I think... I think Tony beats up the, the neighbor once and whatever. But whatever Imperioli it is. sit on the dog, kill the dog. Yeah, Imperioli kills the dog. So because and it's a it looked it's just so we're clear. It's a brilliant show. It's great. Of course. But Entourage way ahead of us in the ratings as well. Entourage was was whether funny or not was an attempt to be a realistic portrayal of Hollywood and and Ari Gold like Ari Emanuel had a big mouth but was really a, a a good person. So it's interesting when you when you say that. What do you think of of how they're it kind of this world turned where they they decide what art you can say things that Ari because that's a question I get every day. Can Ari Gold talk like this today? Well, obviously you Let's can. Let's talk the reboot. Yeah. yeah. So like what what does that look like today, right? Doug, is that kind of the question? Well, What's- it's both. My my question is is I think obviously we were nominated for Emmys every year, critically acclaimed, blah blah blah. And now there's some look back that revises history, which I find frustrating. They do it with lots of things, whether it's Blazing Saddles or Gone with the Wind. I find that like ridiculous and, and absurd. So my question is, though, when you were doing it, did you feel like I know you asked Rex those things, but were you like, OK, I, I'm a character or were you feeling like I'm uncomfortable, Jeremy Piven, the, the person going and saying these things? I just wanted you, you know me, I'm I'm. I'm, I'm a sensitive person, so I, I, so me, I wanted just to make sure with Rex, because when you yell action, I'm an animal. Yeah. I'm going to just rip apart everything, and it's, you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go too far, most likely, um, and you know, Ari was an equal opportunity offender, and there was something ab- about, you know, first thing in the morning, telling this, uh, you know, this actor that I'm, you know, have you had so much cum squirted in your eyes? You know, just like, hi, good morning. I'm going to yell. I'm just going to be, be, you know, so I was just checking with him. And to, to, to answer your question, you know, what's so ironic. If you look at what's actually doing great in the ratings, making money, all that kind of stuff, people aren't, they're not looking for PC stuff. They're looking to be entertained. Yeah. And, you know, Tiger King, the most un-PC thing in the world, you know, where he The just, list goes on and on. Yeah, exactly. So the, to answer your question, like, how would we exist? I think it, people would be fascinated by it for many different reasons. And one of them is, how does, how do these people navigate this space right now? Mm-hmm. And I think that is kind of fascinating. You know, how does someone who's in a position of power who says things and is an equal opportunity offender, how does he navigate this world? Like Ari Gold would have to change the way he did business, right? Just the same way Ari Emanuel would. Well, the real real thing is the way he speaks. We're talking about, as I said, you know, one of my, you, you asked favorite episodes, and I think about this one episode that I did get nominated for an Emmy for, but I think about it for more reasons than that, because I remember when, Jeremy, I gave you that script Exodus, where you get fired, and yeah. you and Lloyd have this really like amazing moment that I scene. that I love. You called me. You're like, you said this is one of the best scripts I've ever read, and then the next day HBO called and said it was horrible. <laughs> and and uh, Julian and I, the director, ended up on a on a chair at Comic Con as we talked about the other day, depressed. And uh, Mark Wahlberg came in as the movie star and said, "Are you guys crazy? This this is a great script, and it's going to be great." But what it gave us a chance to do was to show this 
other side of Ari that you mentioned you thought might be there in the pilot, but it wasn't. It was not there. How do I even know how Jeremy Piven is going to pull off a totally different thing than anything we've really written before? And do you remember you get that script thinking like, wow, this is kind of a different... Was that about getting his kid into private school? No, this was about about getting fired and thinking like he's not going to have money and going home to his wife and being humiliated. Do you remember when you got that script and and kind of whether it felt different than sort of the stuff you were doing on this? It felt different, but I had hoped that we would reveal that side Mm -hmm. because you had revealed so many different other sides so perfectly that I was like, yeah, he's he's a human being, you know, when when you tear all this apart. And and by the way, you know, you know, it, it is kind of fascinating because the worlds have been all the worlds have kind of come together and blended together like there's a book that you wrote you know which people thought the Ari Gold book that I wrote you know hey man gold I, standard yeah the gold standard hey man I read your book <laughs> and I'm like oh no I Doug Ellen wrote that book you know I you know and they're and they're thinking that ideology and you took that ideology from like um, the art of war and and 44 laws of something bunch of things yeah, yeah a bunch of different things. Yeah. And so, you know, people get confused that, that, you know, you are that character. And so whenever you play a character, no one is the devil in their own story. So no matter how terrible a character is, you can't judge him. And, you know, one of the things, yeah, I don't, you know, this particular character, everything for him was about the money, everything. And so, you know, he and I had kind of different ideologies and, and you and you dig in. But I had hoped that you were going to get to revealing a little bit of his humanity. And so when that happened, I was amazed when the, when Dylan just brought up going to uh, the headmaster's office paid yeah. by Dan Castellaneta. Um, and Luke Homer Simpson playing Jonah. Great. That's right. <laughs> yeah. You know, that moment where Ari realizes that he, it, he was the one that stood in the way of his kid, you know, getting an education. And they threw him out of the school because Ari was so over the top mm-hmm. and yelling and they'd had enough of him. And just the idea that his own antics would get in the way of his son's education was you know, was devastating to him and, and he got very emotional and, mm-hmm. and you and I talked and, and we had a little bit of a different opinion on it and about the emotionality right. of it. And you were great. You know, you I let you go. I remember that. I yeah. Let you do and what and you not thought. a lot of most people in your position of power wouldn't necessarily collaborate with an actor and go, you know, you're right. Um, I, I, you know, because I really wanted Ari to get emotional there. And you thought it doesn't necessarily match up with everything we've seen so far with Ari. And it was I, great. It was yeah, great. It was great. It was great. It was down your cheek. It was amazing. Yeah. I, I actually got emotional when I saw it. There were some things we talked about, you know, you, your kind of emotional speech at the Bat Mitzvah, which was really early on when we saw that type of thing. Yeah. And those moments, you know, we were talking about that Bat Mitzvah episode, and it's weird because there there's a lot of. You know, listen, Ari's a character that says things that, you know, and I don't mean the offensive things, but just says what's on his mind and has no filter and goes that. And we all wish on some level we could be like that. And obviously, there's a lot of my personality and life and elements that I put into Ari as well. So you may be Ari. <laughs> I may be. That's why I stay home, so I don't get in any <laughs> trouble. But, you know, my, you know, uh, Perry was based on, on my ex-wife and exactly. my son played your son. and Which is why, among other things, those therapy scenes were so brilliant. That's what I wanted to talk mm-hmm. about, the therapy scenes, yeah. because those are some of, some of people's favorite scenes. And even with the movie, when I finished the movie, they Warner Brothers greenlit it. They go, where's like an Ari therapy scene? Like it wasn't in there. 
And I had to figure out how to somehow get you guys to therapy with all this other stuff going on. But what do you remember about those scenes? Because you were just incredible. I mean, Perry as well, just incredible in it. And it was so real to me. Well, they were brilliantly written. And it was like a friend of my dad's who was a, a sports psychologist said that wide receivers lived in fear of the perfectly thrown pass because when you get a perfectly thrown pass, if you don't catch it, it's all on you. And those scenes were perfectly written. And so it was on us. Like, if I didn't crush it, that's on me. They were, you'd read them and go, oh, man, this is perfect. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so you just had to dig in and do them. And, and Perry was amazing. And every therapist that we had, therapist number seven, wife number <laughs> one, every one of them, they were just amazing. And, you know, it, it, they were all great. And in the movie where I ended up punching that cat picture. My kitten, by the way. Yeah, the picture of your kitten. Text. And you, you have apparently in real life broken some windows. Right. I broke some windows, and, and you know, I watched with my current girlfriend, Sarah, we watched the scene, uh, which a lot of people's favorite is the, uh, you want to live in... Agora Hills. Agora Hills. She watched it, and it's not the lines, but the, uh, like, he gets angry, he gets this, and she goes... Jesus, this is this is you. And I was like, oh, and I really did. I took a look back and said, right. you know, I better calm down. But when you're doing that, is there any part of you? Have you been in therapy, by the way, ever? Yes, I've been in therapy. Absolutely. Yeah. I need to go back to it <laughs> after this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, you brought that energy into it and it did. To me, it felt like a real couple in a real therapy session that are trying to. Well, I mean, like I said, it was written so perfectly. Um, Perry Reeves, who as you know, I was friends with. I had a huge crush on Perry. (laughs) Uh, She was really into David Duchovny (laughs) and not into me at all. (laughs) And so we were yoga buddies. You know, you always want to be that yoga buddy, best (laughs) friend. That was a great position to be in. Anyway, so she auditioned for it and was amazing. I don't even think she auditioned. I think you called up and said you should get Perry Reeves to play this part because she wasn't even available. She was doing Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Maybe not. You said to me, there were a number of people that auditioned, anyone on this list, and she was one of them. Okay. And I said, oh, Perry and I have a great relationship. She's incredible, and she's a great actress. Um, And so, you know, the rest is history. Do you remember, though, that we had – Perry was not available, so we had another woman on set the day in front of the movie theater at the Arclight where you say, get a a cab at Yucca or whatever you say. And Perry showed up at the last second. That's amazing. I, I didn't even know that. Yep. So to answer your question, doing those scenes that were, you know, they were so musical and they were so perfect and they built and, you, you know, if, once you dig in, it's, it's all going to be, it's going to work. And Perry was so good. And Perry, to me, felt so familiar because I did have, you know, we were friends and then we, you know, developed even more of a friendship um, as the show went on. But the, it was very easy to imagine Perry. Who wouldn't want Perry as a wife? Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. And... So it just all felt so right, you know, and she was so perfect and yours was drawn from real experiences. So it just all, it all kind of worked perfectly. You know, Jeremy, I don't know if you've been listening, but we, we've talked a lot about, you know, uh, the reboot or, or, you know, I, again, it's an idea. I, personally, I'll start off by saying feels like there's a ton of red tape and it's probably not as easy as we might think, or Dylan, what do you think about either A, how people would respond to that, and and B, what what that would look like in terms of red tape, or if that's even a a possibility, or what what do you think about an HBO Max reboot, whether it's a Six episodes, or a, or a what, whatever form it may be. Another season, two or, seasons, whatever a season, whatever a six episodes, ten seasons. Yeah. Let's go ten. <laughs> 
You know what I'm saying. Well, what, what, it, what are your thoughts? Well, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I haven't seen you guys forever. So for the past couple of years, I've been doing this stand-up comedy tour. So I've gotten a chance to see more people than you guys probably have. So I get to see, you know, these people are filling rooms who are fans of Entourage and are missing it. So this isn't me theorizing about, I wonder if they're still... Right, you're saying you see it firsthand, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm up there trying to navigate, and they're yelling out lines. Imagine trying to do stand-up comedy. And, right. Yeah. Yeah. right. Yeah. Let's hook it out, bitch! You know, <laughs> do you have Tourette's, sir? Thank you. Can we, you know, so you're trying to navigate it. But, um, I, listen, I think people miss it. You know, there, there's, um, they, it's clear, you know, you can, you can get a sense of that from social media and even the people that have been, you know, listening to this podcast, you know, we could theorize all day about how it would be received. What's the climate? Where are we going to do it? Any of that stuff. But it's very clear that we could all jump in as if no time it's passed. That would be the easy Agreed. part. Yeah, yeah, that would be right? the easy part. Now, is there an audience? I think there would be Agreed. an audience. Yeah. I mean, I, audience. I have zero doubt. I, I would never want to do another movie. I always thought, to be honest with you, and I think the movie looked great and everybody did a great job. I didn't think it, I didn't think it should be a movie. I thought we should have done another season, and that's what I wanted to do. I just didn't want to rush it into 90 minutes. We have, again, five characters that I want to see as much as I can of all of them. So it was a little jammed in. But um, I think to watch these guys, as you alluded to earlier, navigating through this world of PC culture and doing it in their way. That doesn't mean I would write it PC because I never would. I would Mm -hmm. do this and be true to these guys. And what the show was always to me, which I also want to talk to you about your own personal experience. This show was I don't even care about Hollywood. This show was about friendship, loyalty, family and Ari. Like I said, he said a lot of stupid shit, but he was the loyal guy. He was there for his family. He was there for the guys, and the guys were there for each other. So I guess, to me, did you have that type of stuff? Did you have an entourage as things were going up? And and during Entourage, did you have a crew that suddenly like appeared or that you needed to take care of? Any of that stuff has ever been part of your life? Well, first of all, one of the many reasons I knew it would be so good is that we were basing it on Wahlberg's Entourage, and that was incredibly real. Mm -hmm. And there is an e-drama turtle. I mean, they all exist, you know, to this day. Um, I never was a big – I was in – you know, an entourage myself. Fusex? Uh, yeah, I wasn't the star in the entourage. Who would um, you have been? Uh, that's a great question. That's a good the question. drama. You would have been the drama. I would have been. I would have been drama. But I was you more to get there. I was more of like a. Uh, I was the guy who was making everyone laugh and who liked drama, um, but would take one for the team. And because I wasn't famous, I could do anything. Right. You know what I mean. And so I could just get insane. So no, I never. Yeah, you know, th- there definitely are people that that come into your life um, and take advantage of you. Don't whatever. But no, I'm not a big. You know, I'm not a guy that that. You know, you guys usually see me. I'm not yeah. with a no. crew. With an, no. A crew. I'm never yeah. with a crew. Cool. Um, where did that Where did that question come from? Is that out of curiosity? You know what? Uh, to be honest with you, we wanted to talk to anyone who comes on and just ask them if they relate to that at all. Which, by the way, 
I don't. I have I have fifty friends from elementary school, but I have never been the crew guy. I've never been the guy that wants to walk. You, you have more friends one. than anyone I've ever known. There isn't. <laughs> it I, does. Every time I'm in a city, there are <laughs> yeah. people come up to me that are friends with Doug. Yeah. I've I don't even know as many people as you have friends. But that being said, I was. I still- finally said to one guy, you know, because he kept pressing, and I was like, you know, if you were such good friends, I probably would know you. <laughs> you know what? I bring lots of groups together, but I'm still not the guy. Like I don't go on the trips. Like hey, fourteen. My friends are going to Vegas. They know I'm not going. Like, they don't even ask me anymore because I just, it's not my thing. But I have lots of groups of friends that, you know, we kind of count on. But I was never a guy who would run around with like my buddy driving me around and my guy doing this, which is why I was hesitant to do the show when it started. And what? No, but you're, you're a very loyal guy. And, and I remember even from the jump, you were like, yeah, I got my first writer. I was like, I hired him. I was like, oh, cool. Who'd you get? And it's a buddy <laughs> of mine, Rob Weiss. And, <laughs> And I go, cool, man. That's awesome, man. Yeah. He's like, yeah, he hasn't worked in 15 years. Uh, so he lost <laughs> his mind, had a spine oh, out. I was like, no, seriously, who is he? And like, no, that's true. <laughs> but and, you the, know, di- the difference in that is I've never been loyal to favors. Rob... I brought on because I believed he was the only person I knew in this town who kind of thought like me, grew up like me, and he and he delivered, fortunately. I mean, I, I've i never been, even with actors, I talked about that. The only time we ever got into a situation where somebody asked me to cast somebody as a favor without an audition was Martin Landau. Do you remember that? Martin wanted his girlfriend yeah. to be on the show. I'm like, Martin, she's got to read. I'm not just jam. I didn't even let my son just have the part. You were the one who said he's really cute and really funny. I put him on tape in you front of Sheila. You made Jeremy read and, and, and Martin <laughs> Jeremy Landau's did not read. girlfriend. Jeremy never read. <laughs> Jer- just so we're clear, Jeremy never read. Jeremy thought he was going to have to read. He pulled a power move. He I pulled like a it. power move, and it was not, I was not involved in that. It was not me. I <laughs> said, <laughs> I want Jeremy on this show, period, end yeah. of story. So it, It's nice to see some, you know, the producers or do their homework for a change. I mean, they, the work is out there. You can see the guy's great. But still, I will say this. The only thing I'll say to Jeremy and to you in this regard, I wrote a part for Eric Bogosian based on the Larry Sanders episode. I wanted Eric Bogosian, mm-hmm. and I get a call from Gary Cole. Like, Gary Cole wants to play this part. I'm like, I mean, it's not what I wrote. It's not the same thing. He said, I'll come in and read. Gary Cole is as good of an actor as I've ever worked with in my life. He came in. I was so uncomfortable. I'm like, you're never getting this. You got this great head of hair. I got 10 jokes about the hair of this guy. <laughs> he comes in. He fucking auditions. And I write four or five episodes for him because of that. So there's two ways to look at it. With Jeremy, it worked. And it was great. But whatever needed to happen, we needed you on the show. And yeah. thank God it worked out. So. Now you're making us feel really guilty because Gary Cole. All right, is, Gary is, Cole. Is, roll is, out the is, red carpet for Gary Cole because he read. All right. No, I love Gary Cole. <laughs> Gary Cole's he a did genius. Crush it. Some people don't really care. They're just like, all right, whatever. We'll read. Other people, you know, you, it's it's a lot. It's yeah. A lot. Well, it's a stressful. I'm sure. Listen, I I auditioned for one thing in my life when I was doing stand up. Jesus. I was humiliated, and I swear to God, I said I'll never ever do that again in my life. I was so I've never felt worse about myself than after. You were like audition. Johnny Drama. I right? was. I was. Someone was a uh, black. Yeah. Bra- on their phone or something. I, the good news now is I went you, home. Can, you can do it. You can avoid walking into the room, and if you put a real good self tape together, oh, yeah. you could get you yeah. could get pretty far with the self. That did not exist then. But I walked in, and and some guy saw me do stand up. Said you're. I, we might have talked about this, but said you're brilliant. You should play this part. I go into the audition. I swear, every guy looked like Brad Pitt. Blonde hair, blue eyed, great looking guy. I'm sitting there, and like I swear, every guy looked like Brad Pitt. Blonde hair, blue eyed, great looking guy. I'm sitting there, and like I I was so uncomfortable. 
people. I went home, I wrote a short film, and I shot it seven weeks later. I never auditioned again. And, wow. and that's not a good thing. you got to grind through it. You guys did it. You guys have gone through all those humiliations to make it where it is, which is, you know, a testament to both your talent and your persistence. What, 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 am I not here? I know you're not looking at <laughs> I me. Forgot I forgot you were in the fucking booth, this guy. I've been on a lot of auditions I always myself. forget he, he acts. You know, Connolly, <laughs> my, my dinner with well, Connolly was basically... They him. offered me the notebook. He, just they saying. offered you oh. your big wheel commercial. <laughs> So I did. Can... I did not read for the notebook. How about that, Doug? Cassavetes believed in me. Connolly basically threatened me, like if he wasn't going to get this part at dinner. Our first I said meeting. it's too hyped up now. Now yeah. I'm embarrassed to come in and read because there was so much hype. I felt like I was going to disappoint you guys. But by the way, even listening, because this, I do have a point to this. Even listening to him over my shoulder, because what I wrote in the script was a, a Jack Russell Terrier, an Irish Joe Pesci. That's what I wrote. Now, I want to bring this up to Jeremy, because Joe Pesci, just so everyone knows, Academy Award-winning Joe Pesci, was on the set for oh one God. of Jeremy Piven's most uncomfortable scenes in the history of this show. Oh, God. Do you remember this, Jeremy? <laughs> I don't uh, remember this. I don't remember oh my Pesci God. being on the set ever. Pesci you, was there you, for you, six hours, and it's so weird why he was there, and so great why he was you, there. You won't believe this story. Will sound like <laughs> I'm taking or you're taking mushrooms as you're, as you're listening. <laughs> so I mean, who doesn't love Joe Pesci? He's right, our hero. Yeah. And I'm doing my scene, and I look over, and I'm like, "Is that Joe Pesci? <laughs> He's at Video Village. Why is he here?" <laughs> right. So in the scene, these two cops walk in, and they put, you know a boombox down and suddenly I'm handcuffed and these two gentlemen strip off their clothes. And this is the scene. Oh, this yeah. is the right. scene. I, I know the scene. This now. is the yeah. scene, right? So we're, we're rehearsing the scene and I'm nervous because Joe Pesci's one of my heroes and he's a brilliant actor. And um, we're rehearsing the scene and my hands are, are pinned behind and there are these two gentlemen and they've ripped their clothes off and they're in kind of like banana hammocks, yeah. but they're like crocheted. <laughs> so the whole, it's just like right there, like in your face. And Joe goes, now, nah, if I may, can I for one moment? And and, and I'm like, what, what's what's going on here, Joe Pesci? And he walks in, he goes, and he, and he goes, literally, come on, just, you know, just in his face, slap it in his face. I was like, what's, what, slap it in my what? And he said, no, right in his face. I go, Mark, what, where's the direct? Joe Pesci, he's, ow. And like, literally, it's just like cocks, there's just cocks in my face. It's just a festival of cocks. Do you know why Joe was there? I can't get out of the cocks. Oh, do you know why Joe was there? I don't know why You're Joe was there. He was friends with one of them. He was friends with one of the cocks. Yes. Really? Yes. He was friends with one of the strippers. Okay. I mean, it was fantastic. And then Mark. I didn't even get to have my Joe Pesci moment. I was like, okay, great. And by the way, and I'm not homophobic. I, you know, it's just that when it's you have hilarious. a lot of cocks in your face, you get a little <laughs> nauseous. And so I was, I was nauseous. Nothing against men. I celebrate men. I love men. Have you ever oh, seen dude. the picture? I'm sending it to you today. It's an amazing photo. <laughs> sending it to you today. What? But Joe, picture of you with a bunch of cocks. In it's, your face. It's, a picture, it's a picture of of Jeremy. Like they're dancing for him. He's like, I, we'll put it on social media. It's phenomenal. But Pesci's friends with this guy. And just so you understand, I apologize to you right That's now, Jeremy, because I'm not even watching. Jeremy's performance on this day, I'm begging Joe Pesci to come on the show to the point where after two and a half hours of harassing I'm him... I'm not goes, fucking coming on your show. I'm not coming on the fucking show. And then, oh, two weeks later, I'm jogging with my son by the Beverly Hills Hotel, and there's Pesci, and I'm like, Joe! Joe! He completely ignores me, and my son, who's like nine or ten at the time, goes, Daddy, I don't think that guy knows who you are. I'm like, I don't think so either. So anyway, keep I going. I also so. love Piven being handcuffed to a chair and doesn't even get his like Pesci moment by the time he got unhandcuffed. 
I could. I, there, people left. I'm still handcuffed. Is Joe still here? <laughs> Joe's gone. Scene, right? Joe's gone. I've never seen him again. All I've seen him was to say, just Mark Cox. In his, he was literally like, in his face. And I'm like, why? What's happening? Is like, T.I. in that scene? By the way, that's a wildly underrated story. I can't believe you've not <laughs> that's told amazing. that story. That's amazing. I've never told that story because it, I, I just didn't think anyone would. You guys were, are That's the only ones story. who believe me. You're the only cocks. ones who believe me because you were kind of there. But why were you? Did you witness that? I witnessed it. I was. I was. Whatever. Again, this has nothing to do with being homophobic. It was an right. awkward scene. It right. was well, Joe. But Pesci, why was Joe, Joe Pesci, Pesci directing cocks in my face? <laughs> Joe Just, Pesci was friends with one of the two guys, and he okay. came to oh watch him work. And Joe Pesci, by the way, that was his contribution. I one hate, of the greatest actors ever. By the way, I hate myself that I'm blanking on the actor's name. It might have been Andy, but he was a really nice guy. And he may be working for all I know now, but Joe really wanted to make sure the scene was right. He was not joking around. He was dead serious. He wanted to make it work. So I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy's not buying it. By the way, if if there ever is a reboot, I think that obviously Lloyd has been promoted. Let's be, let's be honest. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Lloyd, oh, yeah. Lloyd is running the partner. show. Or maybe he's running things. Competition and and Ari's had a fall from grace. Yeah. By the way, I, I would like to see. I, I would like, like to see Lloyd kind of treat Ari like shit. There's one problem which I want to talk about. Rex Lee does. I, I don't. I mean, I thought we were pretty close, Rex Lee. But I I texted him to be on this podcast. He yeah. did not respond. But you DM'd him. Oh. You DM'd him. I DM'd him. I saw well, it seen. Don't slip into Rex's DMs. All right. Maybe we'll maybe we'll reach out to Rex again. Uh, by the way. He did my podcast. I hate to be that guy. No, it's on a shelf. I, it's, maybe on you can call it's on a shelf. Maybe that's the legal problem, though. By the maybe way, maybe we problem. can release your release those episodes through Action Park. I wonder if Connolly could buy maybe it out. Know. Buy it out from yeah. the other. We're all going to be going to Connolly for work one day. He's going to be running this whole. By the way, he, he really is. Man. You should have seen him with this contract. This guy is hardcore, man. The last thing I want to talk about, and then Jeremy, we'd love to have you back again because I could go all night. But I don't know if Ew. you've seen any of the social media. People, because I can go all night. Connolly's going to juvenile nonsense now. He's going to childlike stuff. But a lot of people on social media, what's the problem with you guys and Jeremy? Okay. I've said it over and over. There is no problem. Again, I do consider you a friend, even though I haven't seen you in years. But this is like, you don't walk off. I think this show is pretty special that so many people have maintained connections, but that's not normal. So what, just so you could clear it up for the universe. I mean, look, here's the reality. The reality is if any of us had issues with each other, we wouldn't be here right now. Exactly. Right. We wouldn't be here. Yeah. And we, we certainly wouldn't have been able, I mean, you know, if any way you look at it, eight seasons and a movie, that's almost a decade. Yeah. You know, you have to really get along with people. No um, doubt. You know, we were all in the trenches together. Right. We're, yeah. we're, we're this, connected this forever tight. for better or worse, yes. right? It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Right. Listen, you, you, you know how social media is. Like someone, Barstool kept saying, hey, what about a reboot? And what about an Ari Gold spinoff? And would you do a thing? And so I, I respond, and then it looks like I'm, you know, uh, campaigning for campaigning for a spinoff, and like, you know what I mean? And like, right. and, and when you said, "Hey, come do the podcast," I said, "Absolutely, I'm trying to get mine up and running." And then I got so obsessed with this "How You Live in Jay Piven," which is the name of the podcast. And, and, way, and, and right, we're plugging here. it. We don't know if we're we'll ever going to get to hear it. So I'll polish them up. A little. <laughs> <laughs> 
Release them in the new year, quarter one. This is the big, uh, this is the viral clip. Why is How You Live in J. Piven not at Action Park Media? No, don't make this about me. Doug wants to know what the problem is with the podcast. Is that it's stuck in contract land? You recorded a bunch and it's stuck in contract. So it's going to get released. You're going to release it. And I just keep going, guys, I don't care about this contract. Let's just begin. Uh, It's in the balls in their court. We're waiting for the, I was like, who's court? What what do we, why why are we not? Action Park Media, we release it and then we worry about contracts later. Exactly. (laughs) Molly's going to get yeah, so fucked. No doubt. Let's do it before the taxes go up. Right now, uh, well, I think we should all, this year. We should all move to Wouldn't Austin. Nice? We should all move to Austin like Rogan. <laughs> Record and, and, at a Rogan yeah, studio. Yeah, exactly. Hey, have you ever, at least you two, Doug, you and I, not so much, but Dylan or Piven, you guys should get on Rogan. R- Rogan's awesome. And he's we, awesome. we have mutual friends and, and, we, and he's just one of these guys um, who is so authentic and he's just who he is and that authenticity is so is palpable and like he's been doing this since before we knew a podcast. He did it before it was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, he was, was cool. doing it and he's a stand-up and he's a martial artist and those are all real things. That's who he is and people gravitate towards that and he's wildly curious about people so he, his, you know, the people he has on his show are from every different walk, Artificial walk of life. Artificial intelligence. Right. Whatever, yeah. You know, and, and, and people, you know, from all different ideologies and not everyone agrees with these people politically and so yeah i've i've i you know have, have run into joe along the way and he's great and amazing and and i you know never no never done the right, podcast, well, if so, either of you because yeah. you're bigger than us if either of you get on there you just you know you, you just obviously wear a victory pop up, hat pop up how you live in jay piven but talk about <laughs> victory the podcast we yeah. need our and everyone out there subscribe and everything else and oh, jeremy here we go here it is i'd love here's the wrap-up this is the wrap-up no hey, i would away, i would ahead. love to do this again because this was awesome yeah. Yeah. I was worried. Like I'm like, we'll get three hours out of this easily, no and I, I no could doubt. I could go on. I and could on. just be like the fifth on the call sheet, you know, not getting paid anything, you know, kind of Ed McMahon sitting in the corner, you know. <laughs> Well, the, the great thing is, is now is Connolly's the meathead. He's the they in this yes. scenario. So they, they, we've got a lot of work to do when you guys get out of here. So but, but out, of, out of curiosity, up. who decided you, you you directed this so that you wanted to be behind the glass? Is that no, right? Well, there. that's actually a good question. The, the way it started was, I mean, there, there's 20 something podcasts coming out of here. There's, <sighs> there's long forms, there's narratives. And I just don't, I, I can't be committed to be, you know, sometimes I might have to step out. Here's the right. reality. Just something. like, just I, like the, audition that Kevin Conley didn't want to do for Entourage. He didn't want to be out in front of this. That's not true. I'm out in front of 50 okay. things, bro. Wait, no, way, no, that's not things. it. No, trust I me. I hear what he's saying. He's getting closer and closer to coming out of that booth all the time. All of a no, sudden, he's doing ad reads. I'm like, do I need to come down for an ad read? He's like, I got it covered. Don't worry. I'm doing nice. everything. Walk, you walking in like with your arms folded, like mumbling under your breath about something <laughs> that bought somebody that you want to dead or whatever it is. Yeah, Listen, as soon as you guys are number one in the ratings, Conley is going to be front and center. He'll never go behind the glass again. Yo, Jeremy, that's what they're saying. By the way, he's like, I'm getting on that fucking poster and and obviously jeremy got on the poster season one just so you know behind the scenes it was a giant congratulations jeremy, with, no with no one. but with me having no power at the time it was an incredibly awkward conversation i'm like you guys don't understand what you're doing he's got a two-year deal we'll lose him he's there's five guys period end of story and wherever we go it's going to be all of us and that's how i feel so maybe we'll do it again who the hell knows but this was awesome this yeah, was, it was really awesome, fun man it was great jeremy yeah thank awesome. you for having me i appreciate oh, it and if you want to talk about how you live in jay piven on action park you know where, yeah, he where pays big here. money where are we <laughs> right? I think, make sure I think, you get an electric car because you won't be able to afford fucking gas <laughs> I think Connolly is the real Ari. He's the one making all the moves. He is. Yeah. He's an animal. And that's why I got to be in this glass. I just closed three deals while you guys were. <laughs> He's an animal. He's got to be put behind glass. <laughs> <laughs> He's an animal. 
So anyway, well, thank you, you very guys. much for coming. Guys, yeah, this was, awesome. was great. That wraps up another episode of Victory the Podcast. I'm Doug Ellen. You can follow us at Victory the Podcast. Kevin Dillon, Kevin Dillon Official. This is Jeremy Piven, special guest. It was a time of my life. How you living, Jay Piven? How Victory! Living, Jay Piven. <laughs> awesome, guys. 